Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Welcome to HivriaCast. I am super excited. I have no idea which episode number we are on anymore, so I've given up on that. 55. 55. I don't know. We're on season two. I don't think we're on episode 55 of season two. Um... But I'm very excited. We have a return guest. I always love when we do this. And it's especially special this time because the return guest happens to be someone who is about to leave me. <laughs> That's really all I can think about. Is how a, it's actually he's, uh, one of the leaders of Hivria. And he's about to start a base Berlin. Um, or sorry, a base in Berlin called Base Berlin, of course. And his name is Jeremy Borowitz. Welcome, Jeremy. Elad, thank you for having me, and thank you for, yet again, mispronouncing my name. Um, <laughs> for name those is... of you at home who aren't aware, I'll give you some background information. I am so glad I've invited you into the podcast studio. <laughs> this is going well Elad uh, yeah. uh, pronounces my name Jeremy, yeah. um, while most of you who live in America, yeah. sorry, the United States of America, I don't want to speak for mm-hmm. both continents, right. um, would say Jeremy. Right. And that's also what I would say. I would say that as someone who has the name. That's really it's really um I'm really glad that we're talking about this right now. I feel like this is what we need to talk about. Yeah. Jeremy. Why are we here? Why are we here? I don't know. I want to tell you why we're here. Nice. I'm going to flip the tables on Let's you right it. now. Let's I'm just going to like <laughs> grab control of the podcast. You know what? I totally lost like the moment you started going off on that. I was like ready. I was like I was feeling calm and relaxed and like, <laughs> like we're going to, this is good. It's going to work out. And then you just immediately went for, you know, you went for the name and now I, I am totally thrown off. So I, I give you the floor, oh, like do whatever you, you want. Thank I have you. no, thank I have you. no control. Um, I want to say a couple of things. First off, <laughs> I feel very differently this time Ooh. doing the podcast than last time. Cause last time, even though we were already friends and building our relationship, I would say we're definitely much closer today. Um, than we were then. Although it sounds like we're much, we have a lot of. I think people hear the love up. in our voices oh, yeah. a lot. <laughs> I think they hear it. Yeah, right. I think it's evident. Um, <laughs> but I, I, what I really want to talk about is you and I met for the first time. We actually just rehashed this over Shabbos. Uh-huh. You and I met for the first time about three years ago mm-hmm. at the home of Rabbi Sam Reinstein and Hannah also Dreyfus, a guest on also a guest on Hevria Cast, and. Uh, they uh, they just revealed to us that they purposely invited us to the same meal because they thought we might get along. Yeah, uh, and um, I think it's been really amazing that over the past three years we've grown from these like people who kind of knew each other to these people who would like chat in the back of synagogues <laughs> together while the rabbi was giving a sermon. Um, to sorry, Sam. Yeah, sorry, Sam. Uh, yeah. Thanks for introducing us, by the way, and giving a lot <laughs> smicha. Um, but uh, I think we've really grown quite close into really great friends Mm -hmm. um, over the last three years. And as I was reflecting on our relationship, which I do daily as I write in my journal, (laughs) um, but uh, as I was reflecting on it, I realized that it's kind of rare to make close friends later in life. It gets, it just gets harder and harder. I feel like, and so many of my close friends are people I knew from the age of five or from the age of 18 or my family or my wife and like this element of closeness and things like that. And I feel like we've really developed this bond where we've gotten to know each other and it's been really special. And I've been trying to think to myself, 
why is it that friendship can sometimes be so hard? Mm. Because I feel like almost for us, it was almost effortless. We Mm. just like, it grew naturally. It never felt forced. Mm. We just enjoyed spending time together and we grew to trust each other and really deeply know each other and understand each other. Yeah. So like Aladdin Harai, how do friendships form? (laughs) Wow. Um, Hmm. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um, I, you know, what's interesting. I was thinking about it as you were talking about it, and I was thinking like, the truth was is that if we had not done Hevria together, I don't think we would be in this place right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's not about like Hevria so much as like the idea that we became connected through like a mutual vision and things that like we wanted to see in the Jewish world. And so it started off like with this, like you, you can't like, I still, it's still so strong in my mind. Like I brought it up with you on Shabbos, like where we, you would come to here to the Kalal offices, you and Rebecca, uh, your wife came. And I know that you know who she is, but for people <laughs> who are listening, Rebecca uh, Blady, Rebecca Blady, who executive is, director of Hillel's of Berlin. Yes. And my former mentor at, Office of Innovation, Hillel. Anyway, so uh, also an amazing person that I wish was on. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> we we had um, you you come you came to our office, and I and I will never forget how you just you said so like to me. <laughs> it's very weird to get like these effortless com- compliments from people, and it was very beautiful where you were just like, I believe, we believe in your vision and we want to help you. And like, it was just so like not unconditional and so beautiful that I think like I felt very uh, comfortable hmm. uh, immediately. I wasn't thinking, what does this person think of me? Like, what is this? Like, cause I, I think at least for me, I have all these immediate like insecurities with people. And, yeah. and so like with, at least with you, like I felt very comfortable because of that. And then, and then we like, you, you became part of Hevria and like, and we started connecting like in these group meetings that were so beautiful that, um, are like such a special part of the last year, I think. And like, um, I actually think it started earlier than that. Do you? Cause you that's the thing. I texted don't... me, you like texted me or emailed me or something. I don't remember yeah. what it was. Uh, because by the way, this is this feels like a very navel gazy episode, but maybe that's that's okay. Navel gazy, yeah. Can you elaborate on the term? I mean, I understand, obviously, (laughs) but if you could elaborate, (laughs) I didn't didn't know what book you had in front of you, so (laughs) (laughs) Um, but uh, like meaning to say, like, we're just talking about ourselves, so Mm, interesting. But uh, I think we're talking about something greater because, in my memory, you have this version of it's like for you, our friendship really began when like Rebecca and I showed up here, uh, and uh, like just started saying, We want to help you like build your vision, right. For me, it started a couple months before that uh. when you were like, hey, can we like go out and grab a beer? And we met at Franklin oh, right. Park. Wait, was this this? Oh, right. Because of. And you were just like. That was I, before that, that. Yeah, that was. This was before that. Oh, wow. And you were you reached out to me completely randomly. And actually, it's you know, when it started, it started when we did the writing workshop. Oh, at, in my right. apartment, because I reached out to so you wait, and just said. For, like people. For, yeah, yeah. Do the thing. Do the no, thing. No, no, no. It's just for context. So, uh. Like Reese, like so until now, which you're like now you're going to Berlin, but up until now you've been do- running this or been part of this organization called Brooklyn Beit Midrash, and you invited me to do a class, and I did this class that I do quite a bit um, in different places like Limud and stuff called uh, use 
using your fear to con- no confronting your fear to access your creativity and uh yeah it was really special i remember that it was really yeah beautiful. and the amazing thing is ellie benhune who's another hebrew leader right we all first met at, like we both met him for the first time in my apartment that right night, um which was amazing uh, but I remember oh. I did that. And then like two months later, we went to Berlin for the summer. And we came back from Berlin. You wrote me. And you're like, hey, can we grab a beer? Really? And yeah. And we just like talked about Hevria and you talked to me about what you were thinking and what you wanted to build and things like that. And that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> it was, I'm really surprised. Yeah, I like literally don't it remember was, that. It was very surprising. Wow. And I, I think to get back to my initial, initial question of like how does friendship form, right. it takes – People going out there on a limb and like expressing belief in someone who they don't even really know. There's something that is so uh, that the depth of Amuna that is involved in building a new friendship because you don't we didn't know each other. Mm. Sure. Like we like knew lots of the same people and we like ran in similar crowds and we chatted in the back of shul, but we didn't really know each other. And it, it was like. I went on a little limb and you went a little farther and I went a little farther mm. and we're slowly extending these planks towards each other until we're finally able to walk into each other's spaces and be a part of each other's lives. Wow. That's really beautiful. I literally have no memory of reaching out to you, <laughs> which is obviously. Well, uh, luckily I keep a journal of our interactions. <laughs> right. You've so been just writing I turned about to page number three and uh, yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. I, I, that's really fascinating because I, I, um, I, I, I think what's what's to me it's like it shows uh like on a very objective level, I think it shows the beauty of these personal connections, but also why they're difficult, I think, because um we had to have some like mutual fight or mission or vision like for us to really connect, right? Like you knew that I ran a class, so I ran a class and then all of a sudden you were like, Oh, this class is is I don't know what you think, but you like you th- thought of it as positive, and and then I must have had a good experience there, and then reached out to you because of that, and so like, I just think it's like I think what's what's fascinating to me is that, um, I think like I don't know in so many ways where I, at least I I feel like have forgotten um, how to connect with people as mm. well as I could. And like, I kind of use, like, I, like even the podcast, I joke with people, but it's actually kind of true that I use a podcast as a way to sit down with people that I want to talk to. Like, mm. and like, cause I love creative Jews. I'm very, every creative Jew I'm very interested in and I want to connect with them and I really like them, but there's not like an easy way for me to do it. Cause I'm very, uh, like people don't realize this because I'm on the internet and blah, blah, blah. But like, I'm very introverted mm-hmm. and I don't like small talk. I don't like having to, like talk about blah blah. I just want to go straight to like deeper, or I don't know what the right word is, but like I want to go straight to like. It sounds kind of arrogant, but like I want to go to substance. Like I'm not really interested in in, in that sort of stuff, and so a podcast is like a great way to do that because like the whole point is to have some substance mm. um, from start to end, you know. And then I just say goodbye, <laughs> and I think like I don't know where we're living in this world that I think it's much. Heart, like we have we have these like contrivances to find each other and as much as beautiful as it is like our story i think it also shows why it's difficult to make connections as well 100% because yeah. like you have to we had to have a reason to get together 
Right. There wasn't the opportunity. A friend of mine in Berlin said to me a couple years ago, but it sticks with me, the only place in the world where people still have random conversations with each other is smoking a cigarette outside a bar. <laughs> wow. And I like, you know, as a non-smoker, I miss out on all of that. <laughs> I don't get the the that random interaction with people. Otherwise, there has to be a reason. There has to be a purpose. Right. And so we had this vague reason, or maybe it was a real reason that then blossomed into something else. Right. But it's like, how do we find ways to connect with strangers without a reason, mm. without a purpose, without a motive? Because mm. what we've built together is beautiful. Mm. We're deeply, madly in love with each other. <laughs> We are. Oh I'm just gosh. saying it right look, here. Look at it. It's coming uh, out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is very, just for the listener, this is a very exciting moment for me <laughs> because we've had a very sarcastic relationship. <laughs> and so to have it go deeper, like to have it go overt to the love mm. uh, is, is, a spe- is a special moment right now. Yeah. It's, it's only because I'm leaving you. So it makes it easier. I know. Like I can say, I can yeah. say I love you. And also you have the excuse of like, we're on a podcast. So it's like, you're. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm doing for this for the fans. When we back get home. off, you're not going to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I think it's like, how do we create a world where we can just try to connect with each other and not have it be anything more than that? Hmm. And it's so hard. And I understand why it's hard. And a lot of the reasons why it's hard is because in a world like that, like, unfortunately, they're going to be people who abuse that sort of trust. Hmm. And we've both seen that. We've both seen people. We have both had interactions um, where we've opened up to people and that has affected us negatively in the end, mm-hmm. where our being overly honest has has come back to bite us. Um, That's actually really interesting because now that you mention it, I would say what's really fascinating um, is that I think the only place where I've really had that, um, besides Havria, which is like a little bit different because I'm the leader of it, but like um, is... Um, is when I was more like in the Chabad world. Mm. Like, so I'd go to shul and there was shul there, like, but the shul was very, um, the way word is like very intensely focused on like being a good chassid and stuff like that. And so what happened was like, what mattered was the people that were showing up were showing up because they wanted to be part of this collective and so whoever joined it wasn't like so much about their personality you were connecting with them and actually i would say even further than that even like before that was yeshiva for me Mm. in israel which was a bunch of bali tshuva but we're all very different i was like the only i remember it was like during the elections with obama and i was the only obama supporter in the entire yeshiva and like even that even with all that like now you can't even imagine like being in a different voting place and being in the same world as someone in, in in some ways and and so I just remember that being like a re- like it didn't matter who was coming through you were connecting with them um, and maybe school in general is, is kind of like the last model for most people, but my point being that like that what's interesting is that there's actually this incredibly positive aspect to um to that experience that I had mm. that I kind of like I definitely feel like I lost to a certain extent even even going to like a different school I, I just there was something really powerful about like this close knit group of people. Maybe it helped that they were gender segregated in some mm. ways, like just certain, like I'm not, and I'm not trying to give a value judgment. I'm saying that that led to easier connections with people. A, and, and there's a safety there. Right. It's, it's almost as if those other people have already been vetted by the same person that vetted me. Right. So, you know, we, we, we feel like we need that. It's like, I can't go up to a random person on the stream and be like, Hey, 
You want to chat for five minutes and see if we can become friends? Mm-hmm. Like that would just, I would get arrested. I would <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, for good reason. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. But it's, you know, it's hard to. Right, it also used to be like you'd have neighbors and you would talk with them. and the, like, Yeah. That's not something anyone in our generation really has. The only, and about. it's interesting that you say that, the only thing, people I have that with in my life now is my neighbors in my building. Oh, interesting. Um, so you actually do have that. Oh my God. Mrs. Ferguson across the hall. <laughs> I love Mrs. Ferguson Mrs. because Ferguson. Nancy yeah. Ferguson, she is 76 years old. And Mrs. Ferguson, um, she gets the New York Daily News and they have like uh, coupons for Fairway. And she always puts the Fairway coupons like in our like in oh our door thing because she's like, I know they have lots of people for you kosher folks. And it's like the sweetest. Wow. It's just so sweet that she does it. And honestly, I've never shopped at Fairway in my <laughs> life. Um, it's really far and like I just like super inconvenient and I would never shop there. But I don't have the heart to tell her because it's so sweet. Um, but even there, it's like that uh, her putting that Fairway thing in the door helps our relationship. Mm. Because it's like she does it, then I'm like, oh, I should go say something to her and say thank you. And it reminds me that she's there. And so there's this contrived reason that doesn't make any sense mm. that isn't really helping either of us, mm. except it was is one of the building blocks for our relationship. Wow. <clears throat> I have a really weird Do it. Uh, Chabad story. <laughs> Um, or Rebbe's story, actually. Uh, so It's Rebbe's birthday, by the way. Yeah, Mazel Tov. So, Mazel tov. is that... Anyway, so I'm like, did I just offend like 90% of our listeners? Uh, so anyway, so um, I was, uh, Rivka and I were were deciding where to move. We had been living in this place um, on President, which was like much more Chabad-esque like at the time. And um, I'm bringing that up for, for a reason um, that... Basically, what happened was the landlord is like really horrible to us, and they didn't tell us like that there was lead, and we only discovered that there was lead in our place when we went to the we took our daughter, our baby daughter to the doctor mm-hmm. for like a normal checkup, and they were like she has elevated lead levels, and so we spoke to them, and they promised to get it out, and then they actually made it like because they used cheap labor, like ended up making it worse, and et cetera, et cetera, and so we we were. We like in like I, I will never forget this. Like in the middle of the night, we walked, we left the place. Like we mm. just left, and we moved to like this temporary place, and then we had to move to another temporary place. Um, it's funny. It's like not stuff I talk about that much. As much as I'm like, ah, oh, the community has upset me. Like this is actually like a thing that really affected me. I remember that, mm. and I remember Rivka and I were looking for like guidance about where to live, you know, and what to do. Like should we just leave Crown Heights? Like we were thinking about that, and like. You know, we think about. I was working for a place that was based in California at the time, hmm. so I was like, "Why don't we just go there? Why don't we just leave?" And um, and we, had, I think we had started Hevria then, like it'd been a year into Hevria, the website, and we wrote a letter to the Rebbe, which is something that we still do quite a bit. And um, I remember we got we, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, like you kind of put the letter in a book, and then the idea is that. You know, either the Rebbe is connecting or Hashem is speaking to whatever. Like, it's just an idea is that you're connecting um, to the Rebbe, like, um, even after he's gone, that you can still kind of connect to him. And um, and the letter said, first of all, like, the letter... Oh, yeah, so... <laughs> no, we actually said multiple letters. So the first letter said, 
that you should stay in New York. Like Adafka said, you should stay in New York. <laughs> this was crazy. Like it was about a guy deciding where to move. And so it was like, you should stay in New York um, because you have like work to do. I don't remember the exact, Rivka could mention it much better, but like basically like you should stay in New York, you have stuff to do, blah, blah, blah. Um, then we did another letter about where to move. And like, this was like, he said, it was another letter about like someone moving and he was saying, you should like live around your people or something. Mm. And it was actually really interesting because at the time it was like, I don't, I definitely don't want to live around my people right now because I'm pretty upset about uh, them. And I don't want to have like a Jewish landlord. I don't want to have any of that stuff. I was feeling very anti-Semitic at the time. And I was like, I have to, we just have to get out. And we had found two apartments. One was much cheaper, mm. had a backyard and all this stuff. And, and then, um, and we also found the place where we're living now. And we were pretty sure we we're going to go with the other place, even though it wasn't in a Jewish area. Like we weren't, we weren't going to listen to that advice. We were like, we want to leave. And we went there and it looked great. The guy was going to give us a great deal and all this stuff. It was like, it like felt very like too good to be true. And as we're leaving, the woman who's living above comes to us and she's like, don't move here because like this place is like, in like has a horrible asbestos problem and they won't do anything about it. She was like in the exact situation we had just been in wow. basically. And she was saying like, just do whatever you can, just don't live here. So we ended up like taking the place that we have now, which has become Hevria house. Yeah. Right. Anyway. So my, my whole point of this is that we moved there because like the Rebbe's specific advice, like it sounds very ethnocentric, but I actually think part of what he was saying was like, you need to be around people that you can connect with and grow mm-hmm. in connection with. And for example, like the place that we live now, part of the reason we're able to do what we do, which is like have events once a week and have like loud events sometimes. Like we're all these crazy kinds of events. Bagpipes. We, bagpipes. I was just about to say the bagpipes. And where is because we have a landlord who like believes in what we do and lets us go Mm. up every event and borrow his chairs and bring them down. And his daughter plays with our daughters and like, it's just this beautiful, and the whole area is like these people, these kids that all play with each other. And it brings me back to like a time when that sort of like we, if we didn't live in this particular Mm -hmm. place that the Rebbe was like essentially telling us to move to, like it wouldn't be happening Mm -hmm. and we would be feel much more lonely. And Mm -hmm. I think like there's something incredibly powerful about that advice um, so like beyond all the like stuff, it was also just the advice was really interesting. Like, what does it mean you are people, first of all? What does it mean mm. to 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 be in a place where you feel that comfort and that connection with others? Because um, I think on the one hand, we want to have like a wide view of connection. But on the other hand, we also need a narrowness to help us build those connections more easily. Mm. Um, so anyway. That was like a really long that was, thing. First but. off, that was a great story. <laughs> and you know I wouldn't say it was a great story <laughs> if I didn't think so. I would just be That's like, true. oh, a lot, really? <laughs> um, but it it makes me think about the fact that I'm I'm leaving in 12 days a place. By, by the time this podcast is aired, I will probably have already left a place yeah. where I feel incredibly comfortable mm. and incredibly cared for and so safe. Mm. The people in our building watch out for us. Mm. Like they are just like so um, and mostly not it, like there are only like a couple other Jews in the building and the building's mostly not white. Mm. And, um, and I, they just like really watch out for us and we feel so protected and we're going to a place which is in some ways the place that you <laughs> should feel least protected. Yeah. Um, and I'm Berlin. saying feel not to say it's the most dangerous, but we're moving to Berlin yeah. where it's like. Every neighbor we have, there's going to be something. Wow. It's like, you know, everybody's got a past. Everybody's got grandparents. Wow. And it's like, to what, like, 
why why are we making this choice, which is something lots of our relatives would love to know. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, the opportunity to turn discomfort into comfort is so attractive for me. Mm. The opportunity to take something difficult and turn it into something easy, like the ability to conquer that. Mm. It's like I, I thirst for it. Mm. And it's like, so it, it, like when I, when we first started hanging out, I was like, I want that. I want something deeper with this person mm. because everything about this relationship should say that like, this shouldn't be deeper, but everything that a lot is putting out into the world is saying, let's get deeper. Mm. Like, let's not keep it just on the surface level because there's a, there's a version of our relationship, mm. which could have not experienced the depth it did. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I think that's really true. I mean, I think I think I'm I'm actually really lucky because of my writing and stuff. Mm. Like that I put I I have this comfort in my writing where like I it's the only like moment in my life when I write where I where I feel like I am not and I think <laughs> I think to to all to a certain extent we all have these insecurities, but like where I'm like, I, I have gotten into this zone when I write where it's like, I'm not judging myself mm. and I'm not worried about other people judging me. I'm mm. much, I am very worried once it goes out, but in the moment when I'm writing, I feel un, like I just have created this space in God. And so, um, what this does is it allows me to share things with people that I've, that I would, I would not share normally. And so what that's allowed is for people to be much more open with me in response because, they're like, oh, this guy's so open. But in reality, if they if I never wrote and I never put myself out there, people wouldn't think that about me. Hmm. They would actually think almost maybe the opposite, you know. Um, and so I think like uh there is something powerful about this idea that like um I don't know, we live in this world now. It's like we we almost like need to send it's like Tinder, like we need to send signals to people in these ways that are like unconventional for people to know what we're about, because in, in some way, like we've closed off connection. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I don't really know how Tinder works. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm no. aware there's you like a so swiping. Funny? Yeah. Like yeah, left yeah. or right. All I know, it's like a dating app. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. my point is that it's like, it's like any dating thing. Like okay. My point is like where you have to, you know, it used to be that it was like a dorky thing to choose to do online dating. Yeah. Right. And now it's like normal. And I was like, you didn't do online dating. You met your spouse in real life. That's weird, man. That's like, like, are you sure that's going to work out? I'm not yeah. <laughs> like, you didn't use an algorithm. You didn't have an, al- <laughs> yeah, you didn't have an algorithm to test this beforehand. That's awkward. Right, uh, exactly. So, and at the least a shotgun, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. So I think like this, my point is like, we now have to like, we have, we have these like multiple selves. We have these selves that are like online and in person and blah, blah, blah. And like, and so we have to find, I don't know. I'm not saying we have to, but we do find unconventional ways to try and find people that will connect with us when ironically, Mm -hmm. like in theory, we could just connect with the people around us. Um, and I actually, actually wanted to also say like another thing about what you were saying in terms of like the struggle of building something, um, I think that's why you're like, like I always complain that you're leaving, you know, (laughs) because it's very upsetting to me that you're leaving. But what's also true is that I feel like the reason you're leaving is, is the same reason that we connect like Mm. that we both, we, I think, I think part of the, like, and I, 
is it, I think we both recognize that there are that there are ways to build up these communities where that sort of connection can happen, and we want we want to facilitate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't mean to speak for you, but like, you tell me if I'm no, wrong. No, no, speak but, for me. <laughs> speak for you. And I think that, like you're saying, there's we see these opportunities in these places where it's diff- It's at the moment it's hard, yeah. but we know there's promise and opportunity there. Yeah. And um, and I think that's why we connected. But I also think that's why you're going off and fluttering your wings and leaving us. You know, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think I want to be. And I want to be doing it. And I think we all bring different things to the world and to this work. And I think you are correct in grabbing onto this idea that we share an ideology of like wanting to create spaces where people can build meaning deep relationships Mm. with themselves, with others, like deep, meaningful with God, like deep, meaningful stuff. Mm. Like, I think that's something we both would say, yeah, we want that. And I think, Something that we we all bring different things to the table. I think the th- you bring lots of things to the table, but the thing you bring the most is your ability to communicate well in your writing mm. and to have confidence in your writing and to express truth in your writing. And it's something that I'm actually quite jealous of you of. Um, You're a great writer. Oh, thank you so much. Thank <laughs> you so, like, much. so much. Just so everyone at home knows. Right <laughs> I'm the only member of the Hevria leadership team who's never been published in Hevria. And you might but say, now, Jeremy, why don't you submit something to every to get published? <laughs> That's a good idea hmm. that I did six months ago at hmm. Elad's urging. Mm-hmm. Article coming soon. Anyway, um, we'll edit that out of the podcast. No, that's, um, this is, it got real. It got real. No, no. But I think um, the real, like, I'm jealous of your writing thing. And I think without speaking for you, but it's like, I think to what I bring to the table is my, I can, you, I, I can be dropped in the middle of nowhere and like, and it won't affect me. I'll have the confidence to just like keep going out there and like just build things. Yeah. Like that's what I bring to the table. I have like a natural born shaliach, you know. Yeah. I just like I'm not an. I don't. I don't think I'm an amazing writer. That's not saying say I think I'm a bad writer, but I don't think that's what I bring to the table. I don't think I have like the most brilliant ideas in the world, but I think I have an ability to at least convey fearlessness, even if I'm not really experiencing fearlessness. That's that's what I do with my writing. Yeah. That you do with your writing. You convey fearlessness. Even though I'm like scared out of my mind once it goes live. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Which is like, I am right now so anxious about leaving home because of leaving the people in my building and leaving my family and just like, what happens if my parents die when I'm away? Mm. And like all these like terrible fears that consume me. Mm. Um, But I'm going to get on the ground there and I'm just going to be fearless and I'm going to be seen as fearless because that's. That's the gift that Hashem gave me. Mm. He gave me the ability to convey fearlessness in an incredibly uncomfortable and new and anxious, anxiety-inducing situation. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think what's interesting, about it, I feel like we keep circling around this idea that we, but I think it's also a larger phenomenon that like people are starting to connect more for like, maybe ideological reasons or like reasons Mm. that aren't just like geographic. Like Mm. it used to be like you would be around the people you're around. And so those are your friends. Like now you can be friends with like 
a thousand people all over the world. Mm. Um, and it might very much actually be based on like what you believe, or at least the boundaries might be, uh, dependent on like what you believe and, and different things. And, you know, I used to see this as a mainly positive thing. I used to like, because, um, for example, I used to, I, when I talk about Hevria, like whenever I would talk to like, I remember my like interview at Klal, for example, I was, I went on this whole spiel about, I, I do this quite a bit actually, but like, I think it was like why I ended up working at Klal was because I went on this whole spiel about how the atheist movement started. Like, and I think I might've talked about this on here before, but what the hell, um, like basically they started, they were a bunch of people who were like, who, if they were open about who they were in their communities, they probably would have been ostracized or at least mm. like to a certain extent, like they would feel alone or they felt alone or whatever. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a normal thing to be atheist. And then like the internet came around and mm. then they started talking with each other. They started finding each other. And then the next thing you know, like they've built like online communities. Next thing you know, they start having meetups. Next thing you know, they start moving to each other's areas. Next thing after that, they start having like churches, you know what I'm saying? Like conventions and, and human, and like, mm. that's the way I looked at Hevria, which is like, there's a bunch of out of the box Jews that need a place. And, you know, I didn't even know at the time how deep that actually went, like that, em that emotion and feeling went. But, um, but I was like, that's what we're doing is bringing those people together. <clears throat> and my point is that I think like, that's beautiful because like, well, it's almost like very messianic. Like we're, we're take like we're revealing the inwardness of people and connecting based off of that. But there's a downside, which I think we've all become very aware of that, like when you only connect with the people who like you ideologically connect with, um, then you also cut out a lot of like potentially beautiful connections. It's also the paradox of choice. Right. You know, if Amazon is telling me you bought this last time, so buy this again, it's so hard to be like, no, you know what? I'm going to shop around this time. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see what else is out there. Mm -hmm. Like we don't do that. It, mm -hmm. It's so hard to do that. So it's like, I, I am told that, like, the people I should be friends with exist in box A, mm. and online or in person, I'm just looking for box A, and it's like, how do I look for B and C and D? How do I find them? How do you even know what those are? Also? How do I even know what they are? Yeah. How do I even know what they... The randomness that geography used to lend mm -hmm. to your social relationships mm -hmm. um, was, I think, in a lot of ways, incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, the paradox of choice here is just like, it's, it's freezing us. It's handicapping us from really, mm. um, reach like finding the people who maybe we could more fully connect with. Mm. Uh, and, and we're obsessed also, you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, but it's like, we're obsessed with like, it's so hard to be friends with someone who you disagree with politically these days. Mm. It's so hard. Yeah. Um, and you and I largely agree politically, so this is not a good example of that. But it's like we've just accepted in our society, oh, we can't do it. Like if it's family, then we have to do it. Then like we will. Yeah. But in terms of our friends, like no, you're either like on one side or the other. And I don't have a quick solution to that because like you don't see me running to like a lot of – Trump rallies to like <laughs> give a lot, give out free hugs, but maybe I should <laughs> like, maybe that's what I should be doing mm -hmm. because they're not going to want to do that in Germany though. No, probably. <laughs> yeah. With the coupon and everything. Else. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that's a part of why I'm going to Germany because right. it's in, it's inherently harder. Mm. Like right. I'm inherently going, I'm going to a place where it's like, it's, it's going to be in some ways harder for us to build relationships. Right. Um, but it's like, ha, you know, we're, we're so stuck in these, we're just stuck in these circles of who we're supposed to be around. 
Yeah. That's really interesting. It's funny because I, I don't know. I'm like the, the funny thing about this conversation is that I keep going between like two sides of it. Like on the Mm -hmm. one hand, I'm like, I hear you. I'm like, I'm with you. And then I'm like, but in reality, like for example, Rivka and I, uh, my wife, Rivka, co-host of Hebrewcast, she hashtag the Noraya fan. (laughs) We were talking recently about how like, um, with people like the the people like I actually I'll just talk on my end when when like now it's actually hard for me to talk to some people that I used to be connected mm. with and it it is connected to politics but it's also like not in the sense that um they're like how do they describe like we're we're like we're in like so, like different minds like yeah. like it, it's almost it's almost like like not, like we're in a different worlds like i can't even there there are things that that um like being around certain like a certain like and i'm talking now maybe about uh like from very conservative people for example um that make me and i'm not saying about all of them but like in my community in yeah. crown heights when i go to like events like or when i go to like my shul and stuff like i don't yeah, whatever let's be honest uh it's a who listens to a podcast but like point being <laughs> that like when I go there, I feel so uncomfortable. Like yeah. I feel deeply uncomfortable and not in a way that's like, I have to work past this <laughs> like to make friends. Like this is good that I'm distanced from this. Cause it, it's not healthy um, in, mm. for me to be in a part of it. And like, um, and so like, I'm, I know I'm like kind of taking no, your idea you. and going I somewhere else. I hear you. I he- yeah. It's so hard yeah. because I don't really know what the right answer right, is. Right, exactly. That's like the thing is that on one hand Be- we want to have... And, and I even think about my daughter. Like I want to expose my daughter to everything except for like racism <laughs> and like like blank hatred. But am I then giving blank hatred? Like if I hate the racists, like blankly, is that like a part of like, you know, it like there's a, there's all this like circular arguments that go in there right. and it doesn't feel like there's a right answer. Right. Cause like, I don't want to be around my, in, you know, people I may or may not be related to <laughs> by other blood or marriage, <laughs> like talking about things that's like, yeah. you know, that I would very clearly define as racist or homophobic yeah. or misogynistic. Mm-hmm. I don't want my daughter hearing that stuff. But then does that mean I just have to cut myself off from half the world? That seems like a terrible answer. Yeah. And I'm not saying I have a better answer, but the answer we have now is not a good one. Yeah. It's just not because it's leading us to a place of polarization that can only end badly. Hmm. Like when we stop seeing each other, like it's just going to go bad. Like if history has taught us anything, it's when, when we've completely otherized someone, that's when the genocide begins. That's when the real violence happens. <laughs> Fight me. I Come didn't on, know. Man. I didn't know that we were going <laughs> to jump at the genocide in this. Uh, no, 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 no. I, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I'm joking. But, but like, I, I think genocide is a strong term no. to use there. But yeah. it's like that's when violence begins. I'll stick right. by that idea that it's like when we completely otherize someone, that's when violence begins. Right. Because it's like they're no longer human. Yeah. There's something else. How do we see people's humanity? And I don't know. I really don't have an answer, but I've been struggling with it for a long time. Yeah. It's actually really interesting. Recently, um, you know, I've had all these pieces coming out about my like Jewish trauma. I was, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and the point of it was, like, for, for those who haven't read it, it's like basically um, 
I realized recently that being part of this community, part of the Crown Heights Chabad community, like because of one experience in particular, but even like the other experiences were kind of part of it, like the apartment and all that stuff. But like, but one experience in particular was kind of so intense for me and so painful that like it took me some time. It took me literally until maybe let's say a month and a half, two months ago to like finally say the word trauma hmm. because like I, I, it felt like kind of like what trauma that's insane. Like I, you know, I like I'm part of controversies all the time. Why would this particular one traumatize me? And, um, and so why am I saying all this? Oh yeah. That, Part of what happened was, oh yeah, part of what happened was first, like there's this stage that like, no, I don't want to speak to everyone, but like a stage for me was like uh, just distancing, like I need space from this. I need to be part of, like we joined the different shul. I mean, we we're already part of a different shul, but we doubled down on staying there and like we were very happy with our, we happened to have our kids at a different school and like all these things were really healthy. Like, and I know like, uh, I keep wanting to speak to River because I shouldn't, but like, I, I just know like, there were experiences that we had where like we wouldn't want to even go into certain spaces Mm. because it was like that hard for us, you know? Mm. Um, And, and recently what's happened is first of all, I've been like naming and facing it. I've been speaking with Rivka a lot about it. And now we have, for example, like people that we know who are like part of that community who are going, who, um, sorry, we're like, have like, you know, whatever, they're part of that community. And like, and they, are and we know them well and like we actually are like connect with them and mm. and what's what's interesting is i used to be like upset with them for example like that why are you letting yourself like uh or why why are, why like for example they might judge me right like yeah. for my for my statements about the community and i used to get angry about that like i used to get angry like you don't like don't you like see like i'm writing to you exactly why it was it was so hard you know and recently, like, because I've been, like, naming and been able to, like, make more peace with it, I look at them differently because all of a sudden I'm, like, seeing that they're dealing with the same things that I dealt with at that mm. time. They're having different answers to it. But, like, the point is that, like, mm. they're dealing with, with some things that I dealt, dealt with. And, like, so we're coming out in different places, but, like, ultimately um, we have this thing that, that it's ironic because actually the thing that is really um connecting us is what actually is really painful was really painful for me is really painful for me to look at and so to be able to like sympathize and see humanity in them was like a lot of work um and it's still work and i think that so i don't i don't know if i'm like coming to any like grand answer but i do think that like at the very least i know with me personally with the specific situation was addressing my own like problem like pains and and concerns and hurt were were things that really helped me look at people that you used to be like and they themselves would would call me like their enemy or something like that and now mm. where i don't see them that way anymore even if they call me that um and again i'm, I'm making it sound like much easier than it is yeah. like i'm like where i'm like at the very good beginning of this process but my point is like that's like a very huge thing to get to um and I think it really can only start that that particular instance can only start from within. Um, and I don't know. I think this is something like I'm starting to face and realize. I think. Um, I think that's you just blew my mind. That was beautiful. 
because it, I last time I was on Hevria Cast, I was in the throes of leaving my yeshiva, right. um, which was a very painful process, and in many ways was my Jewish trauma. And uh, I, I, I made a lot of predictions about this. What I, I had a lot of feelings that I expressed with my fellow students, and when I left, none of them, except for a, a one or two, really supported my decision to leave mm. of my classmates. And some things have happened since then, and some other students were asked to leave that I don't want to get into, but you can read the Jewish Week. <laughs> and uh, I was mad that none of the other students were doing anything. And I think that that's wrong. I think I shouldn't be mad at them for having a different answer to the same problem. Hmm. Like, it's not that I, they are recognizing the problem. Not, not all of them, but the ones I'm closest to. They see the problem. They recognize the problem. And they're having a different answer, hmm. which I think what, what I'm hearing from what you're saying is it's not maybe about making friends with your enemies, but it's about expanding the definition of your allies hmm. and saying, if there are people who recognize the same problem, if there are people who are looking at the same set of facts, who aren't like making up fake news and like making up facts and whatever, like the person who said to me today that Haaretz is owned by, the other day who said to me that Haaretz is owned by like Europeans and the UAE, I'm like, it's literally <laughs> the only majority owned Israeli newspaper in Israel. Anyway, um, but besides, but it's like maybe, but if, if we can agree with someone on what the problem is maybe we need to start seeing them as the our ally even if they have a different answer mm. you know what's like so what's what's inter- like i totally hear that i think what what's interesting is that for me a lot of what's happened is like these are people that i don't i the ones that i'm thinking of in my head mm-hmm. are at least at the moment not allies like in the sense mm. that they're like literally on the opposite end of like the decision making like mm. i think in my head i am sure that the road they're going on is unhealthy. Like, I, I really think that. Um, and I'm sure they think that the road I'm going on is either unhealthy or on, you know, or whatever. Heretical. Yeah, heretical. Like, yeah, I don't like, whatever. <laughs> There's so many words we can use, right? I've heard them. Um, but like the point being that we both like think you've made the wrong choice here. And we both feel like th- this is like an objective reality. Um like and I, and I deeply feel that actually about 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 these particular people I have in my head, um, and I think what's what's interesting about that is like th- that not only have we come out with different answers, like we've come out with like different philosophies, like different worldviews, um, and we we. I think the way that I've been able, at least right now, and this is like very early stage, like that I've been able to see it is that we're still dealing with the same problems. Like we're still in that same framework of confusion and pain Mm. and this and this and this. And, um, and when I actually take into account, for example, like I take into account, um, you know, so from my perspective, like someone that is going too deep into like a belief that they don't themselves fully, Mm. Uh, understand and, and are kind of like trying to, to double down on it and all these things. When I when they when they do that, like it's it and and then they're like, you know, judging me and stuff like that. What what's interesting about that is that then I was speaking about this with Rivka just yesterday. I was like saying how, like I'm like thinking about it. This person is surrounded by people that are like I'm the one person in their life that is like saying this is the wrong option. Everyone else is saying like this guy or anyone like this guy is like the problem and, and blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like, what? 
I'm judging this person. They're, they have a completely different life experience than me. Like they have a completely different, I happened to be surrounded by people that allowed me to make the choices that I did. And so it sounds maybe a little arrogant, but I, I do think that, I, I don't think it has to be arrogant. I think that like this idea that like, I'm, I, I think it's really, I think the point I'm trying to make is that when I'm not as emotionally invested in like, whether this person is right or wrong. And I'm actually just trying to see who they are first before I jump to that. Like then, um, then that adds like some humanity, to the whole experience. Whereas like before it would just be like, ah, like, why are you judging me? Why are you this? Like, you know, and it was, it, it's interesting. Like, I think it just, to be able to see that and even in someone who's, and I'm not saying it's, I mean, it's not like a love your enemy thing, but I, I do think like we have to at least see, and so at least, especially in our religious communities and these sorts of things, we have to be able to, um, open up to, 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 to the reality of other people. If that makes sense. Yeah. It, I think it makes, it, it's, it, it's, we don't have any other choice. We do have other choices. Well, okay. We don't have any other healthy choices yeah. because it's like I am, uh, I define myself politically as a progressive anti-revolutionary. Hmm. So it's like, I think I probably share the same end goals as many, I don't want to say all on the left because the left is very diverse, but like I, of like a plurality, at least of the left. Mm -hmm. I think we share a lot of the same end goals. I'm like super patient though. <laughs> it's like, I'm okay if I don't see it in my lifetime because like I am anti-revolutionary. I think revolutions end in blood. Right. And you were actually, I mean like to give some context, yeah, people, you were it. actually part, like, I mean, not you were literally, but you were witness to revolution. Right. Yes. I mean, which is part of why you feel like this. Yes. I think a lot of my feeling on this is colored by my experience in seeing what happened in Ukraine. And I just like, I don't want people dying. Like I, I don't, I just don't want people dying for a cause. I'd rather have people living for a cause. Hmm. And it's like, that's, that's my bottom line. And it, anything we can do to prevent the outbreak of like massive forms of violence. And that is not to deny the like incredible violence that is happening all the time in America today and across the world. And I don't want to negate that, but I want to make less of that. And I don't believe that you make less violence by like through violence. Yeah. I just like as a, as a whatever peacenik whatnot, like I am rejecting that as a path towards further peace. Yeah. Right. People are going to read a lot into that and be like, what did he just say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we've had all these kind of... I mean, I actually think what's kind of beautiful about this particular moment in the conversation is that for us, like this, I like not that I was promoting violence, God forbid, uh -huh. but we, we like our biggest, <laughs> <laughs> our biggest like moment of real tension or even mm -hmm. like breakage in our relationship. A lot and I almost broke up over text we one did. time. It was our, it was very, <laughs> it was very married couple esque. And we were like, we were, we were like really disagreeing about like this idea. Like I was saying people use the word civility to like bash people over the head to get them to be quiet. And you were like, still, we should be civil. <laughs> and like, and, I mean, whatever. It was like, I don't even remember all the details, but I, I think like any, you know, married couple. Should we pull you know, up the text thread and read no, it out? <laughs> I don't think we should. I think we'll just go back into it. But I think the point is what's interesting is that now we can, I, I mean, I think that's kind of actually the beauty of friendship is like once you've gone to a deeper level, now we can yeah. have this, like at that time it was a more shallow friendship. And yeah. I think like now we're at a place where where we can talk about it without it being like, 
ah, I don't want to talk to this guy anymore. I'm sick of this guy. Which yeah. Is, you know, it's just. Because we love each other a lot. Mm. Because we love each other. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, but again, I think you and I, we want the same things in the end. It's like, if we're talking about like, what's our vision of like the end goal, you know, of like, this is like this. If you were described to me, the society that you want to live in 50 years from now, I bet I'd agree with you. That's a, I bet like you would create a vision of a world that I want and that I would want to live in and that I would want to raise my children and grandchildren and whatever in. Um, but, and the, like seeing people who share our end goal if not our process as our allies, I think it's becoming increasingly more important. Mm. Like we have to expand the dish, the expand the definition of those who are on our team, mm. because the more divided we are, the, the more we divide ourselves unnecessarily. And that's not to say there are certain divisions that have to exist right now. And I'm not denying that there are people who are assaulting truth and justice and like, all like there, there, there are so many values that I hold dear that are really under assault by certain people in society, some of whom hold positions of great power. Um, <laughs> but I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about like how do we expand the definition of who can be on our team? Um, because the wider, like the, as wide as we can possibly um, extend that net, mm. um, that's how we get the greatest safety in our numbers, I think. You know, it's interesting. It's also like this reminds me of. Like so much, uh, like just, it's funny because I have the almost very like mirrored experiences in the Orthodox world and the progressive world where mm. I'm like, whatever world I enter, I tend to be, uh, and I don't think a contrarian, but I tend to be like, let's talk about our problems. Like that's how we become better, you know? And, um, and that obviously creates a lot of friction. And so it's really interesting. Is this why you don't have a lot of friends? Is this it definitely <laughs> contributes. There's no question. Um, it's why you said it's a joke. I'm like, yeah. The, but like, I think, um, but it's, it is, it's like an interesting experience because like in the progressive world, it's, it's really interesting. You have, and it, like even in the Jewish progressive world, for example, like I am part of an activist organization and yet we are in many ways, like an outlier in a lot of ways. We're Orthodox, mm-hmm relative to Jewish organizations, we're Orthodox, we're Zionist, we're like openly Zionist, like we, um, whatever. So it's like, it's funny because relative to the Orthodox world, we're seen as like these like lefty, crazy people. But in the progressive world, people are like, I don't know about these guys. Like, and then I say something like, uh, in, in the words of the Jewish worker, uh, punching left, um, where, you know, when you are talking about issues within your community, like where you got kind of ostracized. And so it's like actually a really fascinating situation where on the one hand, I think we ostracize ourselves. And on the other hand, we've also created dynamics that make it very hard to be in a community because um, unity is an interesting thing because I think mm. we we want unity, right? But like Ironically, a lot of people will claim, will go for unity by, by saying like anyone that does it, like my point is that they'll use the same wording you do and they'll say like, we need to be united. We're stronger when we're united. So when these people who like, don't like, uh, don't, who are a danger to our like internal ecosystem speak up, you know, and you can see how this could be in the Orthodox or the progressive world, the wording I'm using, like then like we can't let them destroy our unity you know but it shouldn't be about unity 
First off, I want to say I love that you quoted an article that trashed on you. It was, it was a tweet. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I still love it. Um, but it's not about I'm not calling for unity. I'm calling for the ability to agree to disagree. Right. That's actually really interesting because that's the opposite usually of what people mean when they say unity. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, but that's what I mean by unity. Right. That's what I want. Right. I don't, I, I'm not trying to make people conform right. to anything. I don't right. want people to conform. I can't conform. That's actually such a, it's funny because I've said this so many times is like, online at least, is like there's a, people often when they say unity, they mean conformity. Hmm. Like, and I think what you're describing is actual unity. We have to reclaim is, the word. Yeah. yeah. Or redefine it or something yeah. or find a new word or something. Yeah. Like, cause it's just, it's very interesting. Like I, I, I can't tell you how many times in the last few years, you know, I've been called divisive and, and these sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I've always been like, am I like, and, and I, and I think there's sometimes where it's valid, but I also think there are other times where like, are you just saying you don't want people to disagree, you know? Um, and, yeah, I just think, I don't know, it's a very, it's like, it's so funny to me because the wording, like you're using the word unity and yet like this is the exact wording that people use to, to almost yeah. make the exact opposite point that you're yeah. making. I, and I, 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 I think that's a real thing. And I also want to like, I'm looking to agree to disagree with people, which mm. there are certain people you can't do that with. Right, right. And, and I'm not I, in no shape or form, in my conception of Mashiach, <laughs> there is unity, okay? Yeah. In, in, the, in Mashiach, there is unity. And, like, the unity as they define it. Until Mashiach, there's no unity as they define it. It's mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Unity saying. as they define it, that's yeah. Mashiach. Right. And we're not there. <laughs> if you think we're there, folks, <laughs> take a look around because <laughs> it's not, it's not, no. Um, but it's like, until then, until then, I think like, again, I'm a progressive. I'm okay with like small steps in the right direction. So for now, all I'm chasing is the ability to find as many people as possible. I can agree to disagree with. Mm. That was really good. Thank you. What did I say? Um, Lad, before we close, because obviously I'm running this podcast, so I'll, I'll take control. Before we close, I want to thank you um, because I you came into my life in a time in my life that I was in. I was really searching for my voice, and you have helped me find this. And I, I've said this to you before, but I'll say it again. I've been painting recently, which is not something I have done in a decade, um, and uh, it's been incredibly meaningful for me. Um, and it has, um, reawakened something in me that has allowed me to express myself, I think in a much more honest way. Wow. Uh, so you and Rifka and Hevria, uh, and Hevria cast <laughs> with a lot no wrong, uh, have made me a better person, um, and wow. a better, a more authentic version of myself. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. Um, and, uh, you know, for all the work you and Rifka do. I mean, it's, it's just beautiful to me because the truth is I feel like, like so much of what you described so for the painting is like <laughs> exactly how I feel about you. Like, and I think that's what's so hard for me about you leaving is like, here was this guy, not only were we friends and not only were we connected, not only did we have fun together and build stuff together. It was like, I was able to find my voice, like, commu- like writing, I had always felt like I had a voice with, but like to be able to build something and build a community mm. and connect people um and to like raise money like on a purely like like all these things like i 
didn't feel com- I didn't feel confident at all in my I still don't <laughs> but I will never forget like literally a few weeks ago I was like talking to you about you know how afraid I was about this stuff and you just said like first you said first you did a classic germy line which you were like well that's because you don't believe in yourself <laughs> and then you were like but it was like very beautiful because you were like and then you were like well, like, like you kind of just started saying like how much you believe in me. And then you just like put your arm on me. I don't know if you remember this, but you put your arm on my shoulder and you were like, I believe in you. Like you very, mm-hmm. and like you looked in my, and you said, and, and the crazy thing is like for people who are not, anyone who's in my position will know what I'm saying. Is like people who, f- who feel like insecure about whatever it is. Like we have a tape in our head that says like the exact opposite of that. So when someone says something like that to you, it's incredibly powerful. Hmm. And I actually shared this with Isaiah the other day. I, because I did, the, I've been doing this like meditation, you know, this app, 10% happier, you know about that? It's like this awesome app for meditation. It's very cool. And it has one, I've been like working on the inner critic cause it's like something I'm hmm. facing. I've always faced a lot, but like, um, I think any artist in particular has to kind of look at it. And, um, one of the things like, so he kind of takes you this whole thing, like finding, like listening to it. What is it saying to you? And what is its voicing? And then it was like, gives you like tools for dealing with it. And one of the tools it gives is, um, it says like, imagine a friend that like speaks to you in a way that like you feel completely comfortable and completely like they, they care about you and they believe in you and all these things. And like, so Isaiah was one of those people and you were one of those people who like, I was able to imagine in my head because it was it was like a few maybe it was like a week after that happened, hmm. and like I was just like oh, like I remembered that and it was it was you have no idea the power of that like one line that you said to me because I think so I think that's also the power of friendship and like you know to bring it back to this whole thing is like that's the power of like when you go deeper with people and you connect with people because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have someone who's not afraid to just ironically like we're afraid to be that sentimental with each other mm-hmm. um any anyone is i think especially today and so to have someone just say that to me what like, was uh it's like one time is life changing really mm. truly um and so like everything that you described it's like exactly how i feel and anyway i think that's like we're kind of circling back to the definition of what what this is all about and why we connect and why people in general connect (laughs) wow good timing and um anyway that was hashem calling that was hashem (laughs) saying it's time to end the podcast (laughs) um i don't even know should we is there i don't know if we have listeners in berlin but what should we like um what's it called uh pitch for you or what it what, was there anything we if need you to, find yourself yeah. passing through the berlin in the next couple of years please <laughs> send us a message at base berlin on facebook or if you live in berlin reach out to us at base berlin on facebook b-a-s-e space b-e-r-l-i-n <laughs> uh, we'd love to hear from you we'd love to have you be a part of what we're building there it's gonna be really exciting wow good luck on your trip i'm i'm really happy for you thank you Thank you for listening to HivriaCast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hivria.com or facebook.com slash hivriamag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again.